Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. All right, welcome to the Side Action, episode 12 of season 5. My name is Jim Weglaris, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Twitter and on Instagram. And I'm Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter and Side Action Podcast on Instagram. So, Action, uh, Thursday weekend. I don't know if you had a long weekend. I did. So, did you do anything fun besides bundle up inside as it got really cold in the upper Midwest? No, not really. Uh, I had to work Veterans Day and really most of the weekend as well. So not super fun, but uh, we did just kind of lay low, watch some football, got the boat put into winter storage. So that was a relieving activity for sure. How about you? As you know, uh, took it easy for once. I did the work forever. Nice. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was, it was kind of interesting take on the, on the storyline uh-huh. spoilers here but uh and as you know I'm, I'm not an amway business owner but i went to an event bought some vitamins nice so, can't go uh, wrong with a, vitamins can't go wrong played a little uh volleyball and then sunday did watch the games of the four shadows you know got, got to show my face around there i haven't been there in a minute so it was nice to get there on sunday and a buddy of mine came over sunday night um he's in the guy who ran the marathon he was in i come out of town so i stayed over cool but yeah, just, you know, kind of working really hard. So looking forward to having a better weekend at the, uh, I actually won some bets on Sunday, but then of course went back in and lost some money back. So trying to get on that Bill's money line when they went down in that game and then, yeah, didn't, didn't work out for me. Well, that's a little, yeah, I had a, a large teaser on the bills that uh, obviously did not work out either. We can touch on that later. Josh Allen. That's right. Thanks Josh Allen for nothing. So let's go over the weekend as we kind of roll right in. We'll go into injuries first. Um, you know, a few, I don't know, significant injuries, and I haven't looked at the practice reports today, actually. The Zachers for Arizona's out for the year with a knee injury. Uh, Kyler Murray, you know, missed the game last week, was a big part of the handicap. Cole McCoy stepped in. He did very well. I guess we probably won't talk about that, but more importantly, he, Cole McCoy's on the injury report, too. So I don't know who's going to start yeah. this team. So we got to make sure we check that out in that game. Um, and then Matthew Stafford, as we alluded to last week, had a concussion, so he's still questionable. Not sure if he's going to play, and Walford didn't really play that great in his stead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure about the Arizona quarterback. That's going to be an interesting thing to monitor, and because that game's on Monday night, not a ton of injury information right now. We'll have to wait till Friday, Saturday, really, to get some clarity. Sure. And then I also noted, and and we can kind of double-check this, but there were a lot of Chargers injuries uh, that I know one of them was going into the game. Austin Johnson, he ended up going on IR, uh, MCL injuries, a nose tackle. But I also saw two other defensive linemen, and I'm not sure where they are in the rotation, but uh, Ogbania, probably, defensive tackle. He's on IR with a kneecap issue. Christian Covington, a defensive end. He's on IR with a pectoral issue, so... The Chargers are getting riddled with injuries on that defensive front. Yeah, I mean, just stack them up. The Chargers are one team in the league that just consistently have injury, not only this season, but year after year. And really have to wonder what's going on in the training room there in L.A. Right, right. Um, and, of course, I didn't put down the guy's team name. Marlon 
to pull it to do a defensive tackle, undisclosed injury. Is that, who's that? I think that was the Eagles, right? I think that's the uh, Yeah, you know, the, the Eagles defensive line is really starting to pick up some injuries too. I think the big run stopper is going to be out again this week. And uh, you saw the Redskins, excuse me, the Commanders, put some yards up on the ground on Monday night. And I have an expectation that the Colts with Jonathan Taylor back might be able to have some similar success. Well, I'll jump ahead to the news part of it, that um, the Eagles did sign Ndamukong Sue who probably is the one to shore up this defense in the middle. I mean, he's still yeah. a little older now, but he's been impactful when he's been able to go to certain teams, especially late in the season. And so, you know, he'll, he'll be a difference maker in the short run. Yeah, that's true. I mean, who knows what sort of form or shape he's in, but we'll find out on Sunday if he gets out on the field. The last one I noted was Tennessee is missing Bud Dupree, their best pass rusher with a hip injury. So he's already ruled out for this game. Uh, and they're playing obviously tonight uh, against against the Packers. Mm -hmm. And then one more late breaking news here. I'm sure you saw that the Buffalo Bills and Browns game has been relocated to here in Detroit because of the three foot snowstorm that's expected between now and Sunday. Yeah, thunder snow, thunder snow. <laughs> but yeah, um, we'll talk about that a little bit when we get to that game because we had a good question from Night Ranger who can't make it on the podcast, everybody, you know, he's excited to see this guy. He, I guess he photobombed me once um, in Vegas, but other than that, yeah. we haven't seen him in his face, but he did have a ticket. We'll talk about on the total on that one, so we'll see how that works. Let's go over the game specifically action from last week. You know, we still had a kind of a mixed week, not fantastic, but we did hit the Steelers. The Steelers were one-and-a-half-point favorites in the contest. He actually closes the favorite in this game against the Saints, they won easily. This game, they were up 10 nothing early. The, the Saints did tie it at halftime, but then the Steelers did win fairly easily, 20 to 10. T.J. Watt was good, and then Pickett, you know, had a rushing touchdown, and also Pickens ended up having a rushing touchdown in this one. But I like those rookies on the offense. Yeah, I mean, um, pretty boring game, I would say. I, I wouldn't say that uh, the Steelers made it look easy. Mm -hmm by any stretch. They were up 10-0, and then I think the Saints came back to tie it up, and then ultimately the Steelers pulled away. But um, I think it really was T.J. Watt was the center of our handicap there, and getting him back on that defensive line is going to make a world of difference for the Steelers. Yeah, we'll talk about that game because they play Cincinnati this week, a big game for them. Um, we were on the Browns. Uh, we kind of flipped on podcast. We were talking about the Dolphins. We were three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Went on the Browns. We flipped to the Browns. Look, early looked pretty good. You know, open touchdown. They were hanging with them. But the Miami offense just is just churning along, and they won fairly easily, 39-17. to 17. One of these was, was a defensive score, if I'm not mistaken. So that's a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit more balanced in Miami's way. Can anybody stop this Miami offense? Well, uh, certainly not the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that defensive performance was pitiful. Almost 500 yards of offense and 7.3 yards per play for the Dolphins. Yeah, just seemed like they got anything they wanted all game. And on the side, I was kind of disappointed in the Browns' rushing attack, only 112 yards on the ground, yep. and uh, didn't really get the ball to Chubb as much as I expected. He had one uncharacteristic fumble, which I think kind of soured the run game a little bit, and really just turned this thing into a Miami runaway. Right. I know I saw Sean Watson practicing this week. I'm not sure if he's playing this week. Uh, we'll see how that works out. For the yeah, I think I read that he's due back in week 13. 13. Um, 
and he will face off against his former team in the Texans. I think it's the first or second weekend in December. Revenge spot. Revenge spot. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so didn't we didn't go on this one. We kind of backed off. We'll call it Game of the Day Part 1. Vikings against the Bills. We kind of alluded to this game already. Interesting line movement during the week. It was uh, Bills minus 3.5 in the contest because they thought it was going to be Keenum starting. Right around the time of the deadline for picks, it you know the, the line shot up to six and a half as soon as um, Josh Allen was going to play. The Vikings really were getting trounced early. I mean, this game it was twenty-seven to ten, mm-hmm. kind of you know in the third quarter. But you know, leave it to the Vikings. They stuck with it. Had a big run from um, Dalvin Cook, like an eight-yard run, like right after they got down twenty-seven to ten, scored another time late, and then the big drive when they got stuffed at the one. But, you know, they they, they tried to run a quarter. They were at the loop, like a half-yard line. You saw this action. You know, half-yard line for the Bills after making the defensive stand. Try to do a quick, you know, quarterback sneak to Allen. Usually it's pretty, you know, pretty successful. Bad snap, ball in the end zone, touchdown Vikings, which gave them the lead. But then, obviously, the Bills scored in regulation to tie. That was about the time I, I hit the uh, money line there for the Vikings, I mean, for the Bills. Going to overtime, uh-huh. Vikes get the field goal. Bills are moving the ball with ease down the field, and I think they got a little complacent. You know, Allen made a bad throw. I don't know where he was looking at. He trail technique threw it right to the Minnesota defender, and the game was over, and they lose. This is the, I think it's the fourth straight game, third or fourth straight game that the Bills have not scored a touchdown in the second half. It's just the Chiefs game. So yeah. there's something wrong with this offense and the adjustments in the second half. Yeah, and I mean, Josh Allen, that's three red zone turnovers now in the last two weeks, too, which is just, you can't allow if you're expected to be the best team in the league and a Super Bowl contender. Um, You know, the Bills looked good for the game, and I think the question mark that I have is defensively, this team is supposed to be, is the number one rated defense, according to Football Outsiders, DVOA, and giving up almost 500 yards of offense to the Vikings, I think it has got to give me some question marks for this team and what they are defensively. Well, and everybody in the world they knew they were going to Justin Jefferson, and they still couldn't guard him. Yep. They had him double teamed, and they couldn't make plays. I mean, if you have an impactful receiver, you're going to throw the ball to him and give Cousins credit, giving him balls to give him that great one-handed catch. It's amazing. But even they get crashed between bracket covers, you made it. You've got a question, you know, maybe when they get you know, to cornerback, Tredavious White, maybe he can do something, or maybe he's back. He's not 100%, but you're going to have some pretty tough you know, receivers to cover, Tyreek Hill included. At some point, you're going to have to figure out how to cover a guy that's take a guy out of, the, out of the play. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we, we already mentioned kind of we went with the Rams, unfortunately, uh, who closed as one-and-a-half-point favorites. We Actually, they closed bigger than that, didn't they? I think maybe they closed as bigger favorites, three-point favorites, so one-and-a-half yeah, that's three. And the Cardinals, of course, with the capable Colt McCoy, gets another win in relief. I think that's his third win in the last couple of years in relief of Murray, mm-hmm. 27-17. to 17. And uh, the Rams are like the third worst scoring deep offense in the league, dude. They're terrible. Yeah. I mean, uh, Walford was terrible on Sunday. It was not enjoyable to watch. And I mean, Colt McCoy is just a, he's a covering machine, isn't he? Whenever he gets in there in relief, you just got to chalk them up for a victory because he seemingly never loses. Is he taking over the Teddy Covers role? Maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, it's three games, I guess. It's hard to say that it's really a pretty small sample size. McCover? 
I like it. Well, here's game of the day part two. You had the Cowboys go to the Packers. Of course, from the Cowboys at minus four and a half. Uh, I think this even went up maybe at the closing line, right? It was five or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously the Packers were kind of limping in there and lost five in a row. The boys were beating them up, up 28 to 14, running all over them. But one thing they couldn't do, just kind of like the Justin Jefferson thing, they couldn't guard the rookie, Christian Watson. The guy was going off. He had a big touchdown in the first half where he got got man coverage and he beat him like a drum. In the second half, between running the ball, uh, Jones had some good runs, and then just on man coverage crossers, they could not stop this Watson kid. He had two more touchdowns in the second half, and they pushed it to overtime and then eventually won in overtime 31-28. to you know, give give the Pack some credit for getting off the mat in this one, but I was really disappointed with the Packers. I mean, the Cowboys defense. Yeah, up there's two out of two of the best two defenses in the league that underperformed on Sunday, and we happened uh, to be on the wrong side of both of them. I mean, I it's clear that Rodgers has found some sort of connection with this Watson kid because he's had a couple drops early in the season, but yeah. right now he looks to have taken that Devontae Adams role and as the apple of Aaron Rodgers' eye. And so I expect that he's going to have another big game tonight. And, um, you know, I, and it was really the pass rush. There wasn't, the Cowboys were not really generating the pressure on Rodgers that I would have expected in that game. And that was really questioning for me. Yeah. I slipped this one for your benefit, even though I know you probably bet on the Raiders, but the Colts were plus four uh, at the Raiders. And, you know, our proxy is the battle of, you know, proxy versus host here. And thankfully the host won in this one, but Jeff Saturday, a.k.a. Jeff Sunday, uh, goes to Matt Ryan, and they kind of won easily in this one, actually. I mean, final score was 25-20, but, you know, they beat the hapless Raiders. The Raiders look like, I don't know, they're tanking. I mean, they, we talked about it last week. They're kind of jettisoning players and, you know, coaches. It's a weird time there. So, I mean, the Colts, I mean, are you back on the Colts now with Saturday at the helm? I think so. I mean, it's more than just that because you've got – the move back to Matt Ryan, I think, has to be an upgrade. Mm-hmm. I, I probably figure that's two and a half, three points to go from Ellinger to Ryan based on what we've seen this season. And then now they're getting uh, Jonathan Taylor back into the lineup. He's expected to play this weekend as well. And, and he's got to be one of the top five players in the league in terms of explosiveness. So um, I did bet on the Raiders last week, but I saw some late breaking news from one of the reporters that it looks like Matt Ryan was warming up. And so I jumped on the over real quick and mitigated there. But more of a push on my part. There you go. Yeah, because yeah. that number went down quickly, you know, so you got it before it jumped up. Uh, the last game was, you know, that we did pick. We had the Commanders against the Eagles, and, um, you know, we were on the right side the whole way, right? I mean, early, mm-hmm. Eagles got a quick score, but for the most part, uh, Washington shut down the running game, held them 94 yards rushing, and more importantly, like you mentioned, they were running it right down the Eagles' throats, four or five yards every time, right up the, right up the gut. Robinson was doing it. Um Gibson was doing it, and then Heine made enough throws. He, he kind of flopped one time. I you saw the flop, you know, that was a, but um, and they got the, the dreaded, the dreaded pitchy pitchy woo woo play at the end where they scored on the Eagles, and a lot of people got mad at that one. But but they covered the 11 easily, and they won 32 uh, 21 in this one. So the Commanders quietly have won four or five games, and they're yeah, in the playoff. Yeah, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? Heineke has been the savior of this season for the Commanders football mm-hmm. team. And uh, I was down at GM Sportsbook on Monday night watching the game, and there was a lot of Eagles batters and fans in there, and there was a pretty loud uproar at the Heineke lap. I'll say that. 
I can only imagine. Um, my boss, there were some people in town for my company, and it was a Monday night game. I, I was happy not to be with them during the game as I monitored yeah. the score because you know, those guys live and die with their teams, and, of course, they just missed out on the, on the Phillies this year, too. So, um, you know, what are you going to do? We'll see. They got, they got another one. They got your calls this week. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. As we've mentioned the last few weeks, it's kind of been evening, evening out. Uh, underdogs did take eight out eight of six this week, but the unders just split down the middle, seven and seven, and just one against the spread that mattered. Uh, so it's about 15% of the time of year. So this week in week 11, we've got um, the Bucks, Dolphins, Jags, and Seahawks on bye. So we still have 14 games. Tonight we've already talked about Titans are going to the Packers. Um, you know, it opened as 40 and a half up to 41. It's right around that three, three and a half in the contest. I don't know. Obviously, we always say this. It's like, can you get this up? I can't get it uploaded fast enough for you to bet on this. But um, any leans in this game? Yeah, I like the Packers tonight. I think this Tennessee team has gotten some really lucky victories There's throughout the season. Their numbers are just pitiful. They're yeah. still getting outgained by almost 0.8 yards per play on average. And I just don't think it's sustainable. And um, also coming on a short week here on the road, I think it's just a really tough spot for the Tennessee Titans coming into Green Bay, coupled with the fact that Rodgers has found something with Watson. And so I like the Packers tonight. All right. I think I do too. I mean, three and a half is not a great number, but um, I think you're right. At some point, the Titans gravy train is going to stop. I mean, they ended up, obviously, they, you know, they got beat a couple of weeks ago against the Chiefs, but they've won like five out of six games or something, or six out of seven. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's go to the the real important game of this one. The Bears are going to the Falcons at uh, the one o'clock window on Sunday. Um, the Falcons open as a two and a half point favorite, the forty nine point total. It's it's the points now in the contest. Um, you know, it's tough. You know, the Bears blew it. We didn't talk about that game. The Bears blew blew one as well to your Lions. They were up pretty big in that game. I think they were up 28 to 10 or something like that. Or is that right? 28 to 10? They were up big in the game, 24 to 10, and they ended up losing the game, uh, missing an extra point late. But we talked about it. The Bears can't stop anybody, but they're scoring on everybody. So, mm-hmm. is there value to the Bears here with with the points? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I have a hard time finding myself trying to bet on the Bears. Justin Fields has been great, though. We talked about it a little bit last week, and I think the strides that he's made this season offensively have certainly been noteworthy. Right. Um, but I just I have a really hard time betting on a defense this bad. And I guess you could make the argument that Atlanta has an equally bad defense, and by the numbers, they do. They do. And uh, I think that both offenses are going to find a ton of success on the ground, especially in this game, which kind of lends you to think that the total might be a play, but... The running game obviously comes with a running clock too, and uh, this number has certainly gone up a little bit from where it opened 48 out to 49 and a half, almost 50 in some places, and I think that makes it a little more tough. If I can get a 48, I like the over. In terms of the side here, though, it's probably a pass for me. Yeah, me too. I think the numbers right in that down the middle, right? If they got three and a half, maybe I go to the Bears. Um, you know, our little contest, we usually do the you know, we do the hooks. So, you know, I do think the Bears, it's tough, too, because with my season-long numbers, technically the Bears, because the offense has been so good lately, they're a little skewed because their defense was pretty good early in the year, and now it's terrible. Um, yeah. 
I don't really like where Atlanta's going in terms of a trend, but I think there's going to be you know, rushing props. Anybody can run on this this both both ways. Anybody can run in this one. So go up on that. Let's go to the next game. We got the Rams against the Saints. So not clear. I don't think staff is going to play. I'm not sure though. We got to monitor that. Saints open as a three-point favorite at home. 39-point total. It's pretty much the same in the contest. Uh, three for the Saints at home. 39-point total. You know, I, I can only look to the Saints, and I don't like the Saints. They're garbage, but the Rams are just terrible. I, I, maybe they turn it around. Maybe this is the week that they stop this downward slide, but they really haven't done anything uh, for weeks. They played decent against the Bucks, but that was with Stafford. Of course, if this has got to be assuming well, uh, Stafford's playing with this line, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. And I did hear today that Stafford's been practicing and there's hearing some rumblings in the locker room and the, the local media that he's going to play this weekend. So I think that's exactly why you see this line where it is. And I believe once it's announced that it's probably going to be uh, going down towards three and probably under three. Right. So I do think, though, that Cooper Cup is going to be out. We didn't mention that at the top, but just trying to pull up the injury report, I think that Cup is going to be out, which obviously is going to be hugely impactful to the Rams' offense. Right. What do you think? How do you think that plays into the handicap in this one? Okay, so Safford plays and no Cup. So mm -hmm. they throw to Higby. Mm. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. I, it's, Alan it's Robinson. Not running the football. I mean, that's the key. They're not running the ball. The Saints, I can't really trust the defense, but they, for the most part, play pretty good at home. I mean, I think that's traditionally what they do. And so there's going to be value on the Saints, right? I don't know. I, I think I like the Rams, to be honest with you. The Saints are so bad. And Dalton is confirmed to be playing quarterback again. And I just don't think that's the right choice. Right. Offensively, they're not any good either. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to run the ball in that Rams defense. And Dalton in the passing game has been equally bad. Yeah, so let's I, stay away. I think I like the three points on the Rams yeah. on the road. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if I can do it, buddy. Uh, okay. So I don't think so. I mean, nothing wrong. I just, yeah, the Rams, I mean, they're going to get better at some point, right? They're going to play better. They have to. There was yeah. something that, that, and I'm not saying Lombardi Savani said he's, he's got nothing, no facts, but he said he wouldn't be surprised if Stafford and McVay retired at the end of the season. Huh. Interesting. They got their Super Bowls and they out. I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's go to the next one. Your, your beloved Lions, and they get, you know, back-to-back -back wins. The Lions on a roll, baby. That's all. Yeah. Uh, they go to the Giants this time. The Giants open as a four-point favorite, snap-point total. Totals come down to 45, and it's a three-point uh, three spread for the Giants. The Giants did win last week. Um you know, cover the number, but I think it was within the original number. Maybe they wouldn't have covered, but they, um, you know, what are we going to say here? A lot of people are on the Lions here, and this total came down. Is that because of what too? I don't know. I, I don't really think that certainly the snowstorm is not going to be impacting New York, mostly off of Ontario. Yeah. I think it's just the way that the Giants play. I mean, they're, yeah. they are a team that likes to keep the ball on the ground as well, so it's going to serve to a running clock. And um, I expect that they're going to be able to run a little bit on the Lions. But on the other side, the Giants' run defense is no great shakes either. And I think the Lions and Swift are going to be able to run on them. And I actually – I like the Lions at plus three in this game. It's tough. Uh, you know, index says the Giants uh, metrically. But I don't like 
I mean, the number is supposed to be higher. You know, like I said, there's some value per the index, but index has not done so well. I you know, I'm not necessarily, you know, wed to it at this point. I could probably get more with the lines. We should put a yellow there. I think we could consider it. Um, I'm just more concerned that, I mean, he did win. Golf did win in sub 40 degree temperatures, but it was not that great in the giant, you know, he's didn't know to turn the ball over in crappy conditions. So we'll see. We'll see the other picks. Let's go to the next one. Jets against the Patriots. They just played like three weeks ago, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and the you know, the Patriots looked dominant on the road when they played the Jets. They opened as a three and a half point favorite, 39 point total. The total is down to 38 now. Same same spread, thir uh, three and a half. I mean, you tell me. I know you, what you're going to say. You know, Belichick and these young quarterbacks, right? And Zach Wilson sucks. There's value here, man. The Jets are, on paper, the Jets are better than this team. I don't know what to say. I don't like the Patriots. I know that they've sort of won some games, you know, under the radar. They're, they're right there in the playoff hunt. But this is a battle for first place. And, and you know, Lammy's obviously got a claim to that, too. But it's a really important game, the FC North, or FC East. Yeah, definitely is. Um, I mean, you, you hit it last night in the last game. The Patriots did win 22-17. And uh, Belichick has had Zach Wilson's number. Mm -hmm. But I think the, it's kind of curious, though, if you just look at the, the numbers in both games, home and away, in the last game, New England closed minus three on the road at the Jets. Yeah. And now we're flipping the venue here, going to New England, and the Patriots are only three and a half. What do you make of that? I think that they're doing what I'm doing. I'm looking at the overall metrics of these teams, and, you know, it. to me, the Jets should be like a two-point dog, you know, on the road. So they're they're trying to give you they're, – they're, they're not really looking at what you're saying. They're not looking at the past game that they played. They're looking purely at the metrics like I do. They're slave to the, the metrics here. Hey, this should be, you know, Belichick, we'll give him an extra point. You know what I mean? So you're probably right. I mean, the Patriots, let me ask you this. And we, we talked about this before when the, we played the Bills. So well, the Jets on the road, I mean, they haven't played great on the road. They, they obviously won at Green Bay. They won at Denver. I mean, how the Patriots, are they going to score in this game? Or they just need Russell, or I mean, Zach Wilson turn the ball over so they can score? Well, I mean, their their offense, their running game offensively is good. They're 10th ranked running the ball, and Jets defensively are 22nd against the run. Okay. And actually, uh, the um, the New England, oh, wait. Uh, sorry, I had that backwards. The New England running game is 22nd, right. Jets defense 10th. Yeah, I had that flipped. Um, but uh, I I think yeah you make a good point there it's a good point the Jets defense definitely has an edge in all categories but it's the same on the other side too New England's defense is in the top three in both categories and the Jets are now without Brees Hall too uh, did he play in that first game uh no he did not okay he got hurt. He hurt. first game without him yeah so I don't know the number sucks though right I mean three and a half. yeah. I don't think I could lay three and a half. I know. So we can pass. I just, you know, be another. But again, we it'll probably be a seventeen to fourteen, seventeen to ten game, and then Patriots win again. But let's let's lay off. All right, low total. I mean, we might need to revisit it. We'll see how this goes. But low total certainly give more value to taking the points. Of course it does. Two. <laughs> um, my my deserves leaving. So.
<laughs> so, okay, here we go. Washington Commanders against uh, the Texans. Uh, Commanders open as a three-point favorite on the road, 40-point total. Or three-and-a-half in the contest, 41-point total. So, here we go. Uh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm just like the odds makers. I'm just giving value to these, these commanders. I love this team. I love them so much. I love them so much. Three and a half is, sorry to say in America, it's a shitty number. It should be a two or three point favorite, right? I, I love their team. I think they're playing great. They should win this game. It's just a bad number, dude. I, I mean, do they say sharps play numbers. We're supposed to play numbers, right? But it would be a contrarian play to go to Washington, I think. But, um, I don't know. Another low total, three-and-a-half-point favorite, right? You think that uh, Washington would be the contrarian side here? I, I feel like that this just looks like a trap mm-hmm. for anyone trying to back the commanders. It's a trap. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're coming off a huge win on Monday Night Football. The whole entire world saw them pretty much dominate the mm-hmm. Eagles, which was the undefeated team in the mm-hmm. league. And now they're going to Houston, and they're only laying three-and-a-half. Simple, right? So that's when you take Lovey Smith at home. I think so, yeah. This lines up for a classic underdog home Houston Texans. Circle the wagons. I mean, uh I mean the matchup Davis Mills is good for good for one great game a year, and this is the one. It's true. So it is one and a half points of value in the in the index. Not that we followed it every week and we probably shouldn't because it's not doing that great, but I guess you're talking me into a yellow on Houston. Let's go. I mean, I make it four points on a neutral. And so if you give them any home field advantage here, yep. then you have to be able to land on Houston at home getting over a field goal. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you. Like I said, I'm I'm right with you there. It's I said on a neutral, that's exactly what you're reading my mind here. Four on the neutral, mm-hmm. two points, two points on the I mean, two points is a lot for Houston. Maybe it's three points. But, um, yeah, we're right there. We're right there. Sometimes I'm in line with DVOA and you, but sometimes I'm not. <laughs> All right, here we go. So Eagles licking their wounds after kind of getting getting smashed a little bit on Monday night, playing the Colts. Uh, they open as eight-point favorites, and now it's down to six-and-a-half in the contest. Total's still stable at 44. I hear a lot of sharps on the Colts here, action. I, it scares me because they've, they've been so bad this year. Now, with those defensive line injuries, with Sue coming in, maybe they can shore it up, but we know what's going to happen. Saturday's just going to run Taylor, as he should. Matt Ryan, just a couple play-action plays. Six and a half at home seems pretty reasonable. I love that eight, by the way. I wish that was a little higher, but you knew they weren't going to give us that in the contest. So, it's Colts or pass for anybody. What do you say? Yeah, I definitely like the Colts, too. It's telling that they made this number six and a half because – there are still some sevens in the market. I, I bet one today, minus 115, I think. And um, But I think it's going to continue to go down. You're seeing mostly six and a halves now, and I expect that it might continue in that direction. Could even get down to six or further by Sunday because, I mean, this Eagles defensive line is, um, is banged up, and I think that plays right into the strengths of what the Colts want to do offensively. What's the Colts' so, run defense? I mean, they did get shredded by, you know, the great Derrick Henry, right? So Yeah, they did. Fifth ranked defensively <laughs> against the run. That is, like, actually the one uh, good area that the Colts have on this team. Right. Um, 
I think the the defensive tackle, the veteran whose name escapes me right now, is having a Pro Bowl caliber season, and uh, they should be able to stop that Eagles rushing attack and then make it hurts through. What's that? Forest Buckner. Yeah, Buckner. Yes, thank you. Um, so I like the Colts too, even at six and a half. I think it's a play. Yeah, it's a lot of points at home. I mean, it just is. And the, the Colts record. Actually, you know what's funny about them? They played terribly, but they're four, five, and one. They're not out of the mm-hmm. mix. They got a chance. You still got a chance, action. That was a big win last week. We need the Titans to drop some games here starting tonight. Come on, Jeff. Sunday, let's go. Uh, this game is on Sunday, too, <laughs> which just plays right into Jeff Sunday's hands. Exactly what he he had all the way. All right, so Browns go to the Bills. Uh, this, is the, this is the game we just discussed that originally – so these are real numbers now, right? So they opened as a nine and a half point favorites at home, 47 point total. The total came crashing to 41 and a half, and it's eight point favorites for the Bills now. We'll call it at home. It's really a neutral now. It's in Detroit. Yeah. So the, the yep. question that we had from Night Ranger was, he obviously bet the under, and I don't know what number he got, but he bet the under because of this crashing, this thunderstorm game, thunderstone storm snow game. Sorry. And now it's going to be in a dome. So you got to figure that t- the total is going to tick up. Are they going to score more points theoretically? Will he get his bet voided? And your advice was? I mean, I would say like 90% of the books here are, they have house rules that game must be played in the venue mm-hmm. that it was listed at for the bet to be action. And so it's a good chance that it's going to be voided, but I wouldn't put anything past bet rivers to have some like really crazy quirky rules mm-hmm. i opened up and checked on my site and i couldn't find the house rules in the five minute search that i looked so right. i'm not sure about bet rivers to be honest with you but most domestic books here will be voided because of the venue change right for sure which makes sense it should be so in this game i guess i don't well venue did play into it i mean eight points definitely one point a half point game that's a, a big big spread um the browns Ugh, I don't know what to say, man. I, I can't. I don't know. I don't know what to expect on this team. I can never. I can't bet on the Browns, buddy. I can't do it. So, I don't think I can bet on the Bills right now either. I mean, I think eight points is too many points, even when they were at home, in that you know lower total game. I don't know if I can back the Browns again now. Mm-hmm. Well, before the venue change, mm-hmm. this number was crashing yes. drastically. I think uh, opener. What do we have on here? Nine and a half. Yep. I think it was there was like seven and a half, maybe even sevens that were popping up before the late breaking news today. Yep. That was obviously due to the weather forecast, assuming that it was going to be a ground and pound game, and the Browns probably have an edge in that department. Do you think that the number is better now going to the indoor Ford Field on turf, where the Bills might be able to actually open up and pass on the Browns a little bit? Now we're seeing eight in the contest. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly they're going to play better than they would. I mean, the thing about the Bills, I always felt, even in bad weather, the offense was pretty good. Yeah. Um, it, what I can't predict right now is the turnover factor. Allen's been turning mm-hmm. all over, and it, it doesn't get contagious, but it gets to be a mental thing where he's just probably pressing a little bit now, especially last week with the elbow injury. I mean, the fumble, was it his mistake? I don't know. It's hard to say. That's a tough situation. Uh, yeah. But the interception at the end of the game, I really didn't like. I mean, that was it was it was a meaningless play. You don't need to get that touchdown. Throw the ball away. Throw it only where your guy can get it. It's a bad decision, right? 
And I think that sometimes, you know, obviously he's become not invincible, but Allen's played kind of this invincible game where he just just keeps on chucking. But um, anyway, to answer your question, sure. There's a chance that they're going to score more points. I'm just very concerned that he's going to turn the ball over. And we've seen them three weeks in a row where they obviously lost two of the games, but they, they didn't cover against the Packers. So yeah, the bigger spreads, I'm, I got to pull back on right now. All right. Well, I'm kind of leaning to Buffalo. I am, yeah. Okay. I mean, my only my only concern is, despite their good rushing defense numbers, the last two weeks they got completely gouged on the ground yeah. by um, Minnesota and then uh, I forget the opponent the week before. Yeah, the Jets. And so, the Jets. That's Michael right. Carter Jets, over 100 yards, which he shouldn't have. Yeah. So, I mean, that's obviously discouraging going up – uh, against the Cleveland Browns rushing attack, that is obviously that's what they want to do. Right. So um, that gives me a little pause, but I do think that the Bills are going to shred the Browns. I'm not sure if I haven't. In fact, this game is off my odd screen right now, so I don't even know what the new total is going to be. My first look when it gets reposted is going to be over. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I mean we're running out of picks here, but I, I like to stay away, dude. I, I just don't. Okay. You know, maybe if we. I don't know. We've got a couple other maybes too. I'm not feeling great about it. Not that I have like surefire ones down the stretch here, but we've got a couple other ones I like a little better. Yeah. Looking ahead, uh, the Bills this week presumably are going to stay here in Detroit because they play the Lions on Thursday morning. And uh, if they stick around here, that seemingly could be a smash spot there against the Lions. Exactly. Maybe you can go see them at the casino. Josh Allen, hey, what's happening? Throw some dice with Josh Allen. That's right. Uh, okay, so let's go to the next game. Carolina against the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens open as a 12.5 point favorite at home. 45 point total. It's up to 13.5. 42 point total. Woo, that's a lot of points. Um, I do think it's credit. I think that this is probably accurate in terms of the line, but I mean, we chased some big, big numbers before. I don't really like Carolina on the road. They got the win last week, but. The Ravens are starting to round into form, so I definitely don't want to go stack up against them. So happy to pass on this one too, actually. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Baker Mayfield is going to be under center in this one. I think Walker picked up an injury, which led Steve Wilkes to force him into that decision. Yeah. And uh, I think that's probably an upgrade, the way that Walker has been yeah. playing lately. And so that might give you a little value on the Panthers, but I'm with you. I have no interest in betting that side. And, and on the other side, Baltimore minus 13 and a half is just way too big of a number. So I think it's a pass. Any thought of the total? Uh, I mean, 45 to 42 mm-hmm. is a little interesting because the Baltimore Ravens defensively have not been their normal selves mm-hmm. this year. So if anything, okay. I would look over. Okay, four o'clock window. We've got three three games again. You got the Raiders against the Broncos. Uh, Broncos open as a two and a half point favorite. Forty one half point total hasn't moved much. In the contest, is two and a half as well. Forty one point total. Look, the Broncos' offense is putrid. I, I can't I can't stress it enough. Last week, you know, I was I was kind of on them in terms of them against the Titans, but the defense is solid. So. I know it's a weird recommendation. I'd go with the Broncos here. They're a better football team. They're going to get right against this bad Raiders off defense, right? 41-point total? 
Definitely. I, I'm right there with you. I, I love the Broncos. My favorite pick this week. We saw last week the same scenario with the Colts coming to town, and uh, they got right in a hurry against the Raiders defensively. And so, and on the other side, this Denver Broncos defense is excellent, mm-hmm. second ranked or, or third behind Dallas. And I think that they're going to be able to stop the Raiders. And so I, I think in this matchup, I would definitely side with the better defense. There you go. Me too. Hey, we got one. We got one. That's why I was passing. I was trying to get to that game. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the, the other one. Bengals against the Steelers. Bengals were uh, open as a five-point favorite on the road. 42-point total. It's down to four. 41-point total. Hmm. So here we go. This is Ozmakers, you know, doing their doing their job. Uh, the Bengals two weeks ago should have been like a seven-point favorite on the road. And now they're down to a four. It's because T.J. Watt. So is it too big of a move? Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the Bengals prospects going forward. They're five and four. It's a big game for them because they lost to the Steelers. Kind of a revenge spot. I mean, but are they going to be doing, what do they do? The uh, the renegade? The renegade. The terrible towels. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not a great number for the Bengals. You know, obviously three or three and a half is better than four. But what are your thoughts on this game? Well, remember they week one yeah. this year. And Watt was out there, and I think they he wreaked havoc yeah. on the Bengals, and I think single-handedly caused like six turnovers, yeah. if I remember. Yep, I do remember. Not single-handedly, but I think they got six turnovers, and they won 23 to 20. So I think that there's some sneaky value on the Bengals I here. I think the move is a little bit too much. And remember, in week one, the Bengals were still integrating brand-new offensive mm-hmm. line. And so now we're here into week 11. Uh, the Bengals are starting to gel a little bit. They are going to be without Jamar Chase yeah. again, I think. Yeah. And so that is obviously uh, another tick on that side of the ledger. But I still think that there is value back in the Bengals here. I have no expectations that the Pittsburgh Steelers offensively are going to be able to do much. And I think for that reason that the Bengals are going to cover. Yeah, I agree with you. I, and like I said, I, I think it's too big of a move for Watt coming back. You still have a rookie quarterback, I and mean, I do like Pickett in general. I like this young group that they're going to be better in a, a year or two. But I like the Bengals. I think it's a little too depressed of a line for what it should be. Because, I mean, I don't know about your power ratings action, but the Steelers are like the worst team in the league. I mean, they won last week, obviously, and they had Watt and everything. But when you look at the index, they're right with Carolina, Houston. The Raiders are down there, too. Or the Rams are down there, too. So, all right. I have Pittsburgh at 25, yeah, okay. but still bad, but not terrible. Okay, let's go to the next one. Uh, Cowboys against the Vikings. Cowboys open as a two-point favorite on the road. Now they're one and a half in the contest. The total is ticked from 48 and a half to 47 and a half. I'm not sure why that happens because both these teams can score, but um, I don't know, dude. It, it's this is like a classic. What do you believe situation? The Vikings have won, I don't know how many one-score games this year, a lot. And they've come back in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, they, they are, what, 8-1. and one. On paper, Dallas yeah. is a better team. Defense is better. You know, they, they obviously their offense has kind of ticked up lately. But Minnesota's got something this year. So I don't, I don't think they should be dogs at home. That's for damn sure. I think, I, I mean, I know my numbers probably say this is probably right. Let's see what I say. Yeah, well, no, I think that I think the 
I think Vikings should be favored by a half a point. But that's still two points of value on the home dog. But then again, they're going to have a letdown right after that big game last week. Good mm-hmm. point. Yeah. And uh, Dallas coming off of a tough yep. loss in Green Bay. This one, I actually make it Dallas minus three on a neutral. On a neutral, and yeah. just give, give Minnesota probably two and a half, I would say. They probably have the best home field advantage yep. in terms of out, out of the entire league. And so then it should really be close to a pick So, I mean, I think it's close. The number's pretty darn close. But I just can't get past the Minnesota <laughs> luck factor. Against- and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep betting against them. I like Dallas in this game. I know that the pass rush didn't really do much on Sunday against the Packers, but they still have a fantastic pass rush. And I think if you get Cousins under pressure, uh, he's a different quarterback, much like every quarterback is. And uh, this game is also at 425, which is outside of Kirk Cousins' preferred window. And so uh, I think that's another impact to this number or to this game a little bit. Uh, and then on the other side, I think that uh, Dallas offensively is going to be able to run the mm-hmm. ball against the Vikings. And so, I mean, they both have great running game attacks. So, but I like Dallas. And I understand what you're saying. but And maybe it was just a game such scenario situation. But last week, they couldn't cover Christian Watson. I'm going to cover Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, he's going he's to light that up. If, if, if they play the way they played, maybe they have a better pass rush than the Bills. I thought the Bills had a good pass rush, but they didn't do anything last week. Um, you know, Cousin has had two bad interceptions in that game. So I hear what you're yeah. saying, and I I think I even picked – I can't remember what I picked in the blog uh, this morning, which I didn't even promote. Um, but I don't know, dude. It's, it's tough. The other thing is it's really weird. The Cowboys, you know, with McCarthy, I mean, they obviously lost it at the pack, but – I don't know, with Dak back, it's almost like I trusted him more with, with Cooper Rush. You know what I mean? I think they yeah. coached mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like I'd stay away in this one, dude. I agree. I was just going to say that, too. I think it's going to be a really heavily picked game, and maybe we're better off sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, cool. Perfect. Great answer. All right, here we go. So let's get into the uh, Sunday night game. The Chiefs are going to the Chargers. Chiefs open as a seven-point favorite on the road, 50-point total. The total stayed the same. But the spread is coming out of five and a half. So I'm trying to figure this out now, Action. Is somebody coming back for the Chargers? Or is, I know that the Chiefs have a lot of guys like um, Smith Schuster and Marquez Valdez Scanling are in the concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. So they do have to turn to like the third, third and fourth guys on the you know, receiver situation. But the Chargers are decimated, dude. I mean, I know this is kind of their last stand. They got to play better uh, if they want to you know, really make the playoffs in the AFC, but I do still have the Chargers. This probably should be more like a three-point game instead of a, a four-point game at five-and-a-half, but I kind of feel like we should back the Chiefs here, dude. I, I don't think the Chargers have it in them. I think that um, Keenan Allen is supposed to be back this week, so okay. I'm reading here he's questionable uh, hamstring. So I think that's probably one reason for the move. And, I mean, the reality is that the Chiefs have had the uh, charge. I'm sorry, the Chargers have had the Chiefs number in the last okay. couple of meetings. Um, so, I mean, I'm looking here four out of the last five. They've covered against Kansas City. Uh, so I think that's part of the reason why you've seen this number move down a little bit to five and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know. I, I the Chiefs have not. I mean, they were kind of lucky to cover last week against Jacksonville. They were they were giving up a lot of turnovers in that game, and um, Jacksonville was able to move the ball on the other side too. And so I'm not sure that I want to lay this big of a number with Kansas City on the road, especially in a divisional game. I can only look to the other side and the home dog. Okay. I mean, that's the that's the smart play. The divisional divisional home dog, right? That makes sense. Uh, Chargers have been unimpressive to me. Um, you, yeah. think it's, you think that um, – so Williams isn't playing either, right? I'm reading here that Williams is out. So. Team. I don't know what it is because he, he kills the Chiefs. He gets like 150 yards every time he plays against the Chiefs. Um yeah. How many picks do we have here, Action? We we are we're kind of light this week. Pat many times. We only have five games to pick from. Um yeah. I don't know, dude. I don't know if I can pick against the Chiefs here. Um we got a money match still. Yeah, let's pass. Let's go to the Niners game. Okay. <laughs> All right, 49ers against the Arizona. Arizona uh you know, they're eight point they opened as seven point dogs at home. 44-point total. Now it's eight points with the Niners. 43.5-point total. Don't love number, of course, but I do think the 49ers are going to crush that. Yeah. Agree. So it's eight too much delay. And uh, this game's in Mexico City. Oh, I, that's I right. I don't know if we touched neutral. on that. I forgot yeah. about that. Did I do that in my neutral? I did not. So, yeah, even more uh, impressive, I think, in the, in, uh, the travel. I think... Arizona's played there at least once, so I know that they've done the trip before. I'm not sure about the Niners, but right. I'm with you. I think that San Francisco is going to smash them. Their their offense, whether it's Murray, Colt McCoy, or QB3, I don't think any of them are going to be uh, ready for this Niners pass rush and defensive front. And uh, on the other side of the ball, the Niners should be able to run all over them. So yeah. I, like them. I, I like them laying eight. Let's do it. Let's do it. The big, right. That's a big favorite we can trust. Where yeah. were you? My survivor, we said 49ers. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's six to pick from. Is that enough? Or we have yeah. to go back through. <laughs> I think so. I, you never know. Some news. I mean, there's a lot of – there's weather news. There's a lot of late-breaking injury news this time of year. So we'll have to reconvene Saturday. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's review. Uh, we like Detroit on the road getting three against the Giants in the 1 o'clock window. We like the Texans getting three and a half at home against the Commanders. Uh, we also like the Colts getting six and a half at home against the Eagles. You see a trend there on those home dogs. Then in the afternoon, though, we like Denver uh, laying two and a half at home against the Raiders. The Bengals laying four points uh, at the Steelers in the four o'clock window. And lastly, on Monday night in Mexico City, we like the 49ers laying eight points against Arizona. I like those picks. Yeah, me too. Yeah, let's hope they get back on track, you know. You know, there's a transition. So in the Circa update, we only we went two and three last week, Ash, and we were just going back to 50%, which isn't enough to do anything here. But you know, the only thing I can say is that the top people aren't doing that great either. So, you know, they're, we are staying about the same distance away from them. We just got to try to make up some ground at some point. The top dog's down to 73%. Still amazing, but... I mean, you remember it was like 80% just two weeks ago yeah. at 36, 13, and 1. The top 100, which is actually the top 82nd because, you know, they do ties, it's 64% at 32 and 18. 
So, you know, we're, we're six and a half picks back, not great, but I look at it, we can maybe pick up a pick a week or somewhere along the way, you know, at least one out of every, you know, two out of every three weeks we can do that, we can get right there. Yeah, I think we're still in the mix with a punching chance here. Just mm-hmm. got to get hot here in the third quarter. Get hot, well. Okay, well, we talked about it last week. We're going to do the World Cup here, World Cup preview. Um, you know, Action's a, an ex-soccer star, so he can give you more details than I can. But, you know, the Night Ranger couldn't join us, but he, he obviously has some picks that he, he shared with us. Uh, you want to go over kind of the general layout of the World Cup and how it works? Yeah, what uh, World Cup is this week? I thought it was usually in June. Sure yeah, okay. the right month. why is that? Why is that? Because it's a friggin' hot country, right? Yeah, the uh, FIFA conglomerate was doing some shady business, and they awarded the the tournament to Qatar. And so, uh, well, and, they, and then they realized that it was actually hot in the desert in the summertime, so they had to move it to the wintertime and disrupt everyone's lives, including mine and uh, many of the soccer stars that had to just take a break in the middle of their season and travel to Qatar. So it's going to be different. I don't know how that's going to impact the players. I mean, I've heard both sides of the argument that some players are going to be in better form because it's early in their domestic seasons, as opposed to playing in June during the normal cycle, just after they've finished a 45, 50 game season. And so I've also heard some others that say, in fact, it might be more stress on the players' legs because they've just finished the last two months where all the leagues crammed in more games than they would in a normal schedule. So, mm-hmm. I mean, all in all, I think it's going to be a net neutral in terms of how the, it's going to impact performances across the board. Certainly, I think the some players who are based more uh, Europe and Asia and Africa are going to be suited better for this just because of the shorter travel distance. Sure. And um, so the format is eight groups of four teams that play in a round robin in the in the group stage and then after the group stage there's two from each group that move on to the round of 16 and then from there it's just a typical knockout stage format all the way until they crown a champion right now you'll talk about we'll talk about the kind of the futures here in a moment but soccer is a little unique because you can you you can basically bet on three outcomes right you can actually Mm -hmm. bet on the tie and there will be ties in the in the pool play there'll be ties right Yeah. In the knockout, you have to play till you know extra time, and then eventually shootouts, right? Yeah, I will though caution the listeners to be careful that when you even when you get to the knockout stage, typically if you make a bet, it's going to be settled on the 90-minute play. So mm-hmm. even if they draw at 90 minutes and you bet on say Germany to win, you okay. might still lose that bet despite them going into extra time and potentially winning in extra time. You'll see usually the normal bets are settled on 90 minutes, regardless of what happens in extra time. So make sure you look out for that. You either can, when you get to the knockout stage, you can make a selection to advance, and that would include everything after the 90-minute whistle. So just a word of caution there. But yes, uh, typically you would either bet win, lose, or draw in in those 90-minute formats. You also have the option, though, to look at the goal spread, too which has become more of a prominent bet here where you can lay minus half a goal, or in some cases you might see some of the heavy favorites early on during the tournament that might be laying a goal or even more, in some cases like two goals in some games. Hmm. Nice. That's a lot. lot. It's a lot of goals. A lot of goals. But you could also just do the total for the total goals as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, typically in most soccer matches, the average is going to be two and a half. So a lot of books will just post that number as a given, and then they'll just shade the juice. So early on here, especially in the first round of games, you see in these tournaments, a lot of teams will play really close to the vest, not extend themselves. And so it tends to be a lot lower scoring in the first round of games. So you're going to see a lot of two and a half juiced heavy to the under, like minus 175 or 180 in some cases. Some books might even lower those totals down to a total of two or one and a half. In some cases, you might see some opening round games that are lined at one and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were saying in our text chain that these early games, these first games, people come out a little tight. Yeah, they don't mm-hmm. lose the first game, so maybe not as aggressive or something. So lower scoring you can, you can also bet the total in the first halves as well. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, one of my go-to bets here in the first round of games is to look at specifically the first half total. A lot of books uh, will line those at one out of practice. So even if you get one to push, mm-hmm. and you're going to see a lot of these games in the opening round that are going to be 0-0 at halftime. So my go-to bet, especially in some of these games where I know teams are going to be more defensive, is to go first half under one. Nice. And then you're going to do, before we get into it again, the, we'll get into the, the picks of the teams, but you're going to do something called a Calcutta, uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of a unique format. It's not betting per se like a pool. But you want to explain how that works? Yeah, it's a, there's six groups of us that are uh, teams of like six or eight, and we've all pooled in money. And then uh, just like we do for March Madness and other types of events, we bid on the teams, and there's a payout structure based on whether they win the group and advance to the knockout phase, and then it just escalates from there the winner taking like 30% of the pot. Nice. That's awesome. And then, um, okay, well, let's talk about some of these teams. Uh, obviously, you know, some of these we know they're always perennial powers and everything. Mm-hmm. You're looking kind of all over the place here from where they're from. But you know, at the top of the, the group, you've got, you know, Brazil and Argentina and France and Spain, I guess. England's up there too. Typically speaking on these futures, you don't like to go to these lower odds teams or the, the, I, mean, I should say higher odds, like better odds to win, mm-hmm. you know, plus 550 is not enough, you know, juice for you, but you do have Argentina highlighted. Yeah, I, I really like Argentina this year. They're a team that has won the cup before. Uh, typically in World Cup, you do not see like outsiders winning these tournaments. I think there's a group of like six or seven countries that have ever even won the World Cup. So. Right. Uh, Argentina is one of them, and they have Leo Messi, who is arguably the best player in the world, and right now he is playing probably the best soccer that he's played in his entire career. And so I think led by him and some young goal-scoring talent that they have alongside him, they're going to be uh, formidable in this tournament, and I bet them at plus 550. Nice. You also have noted some other ones a little further down. Portugal plus 1,600, Uruguay at plus 5,000, and a little bigger Serbia plus 9,000. Why do you like those teams? Well, Portugal uh, has perennially been Cristiano Ronaldo and nothing else. But Mm -hmm. this year, they actually have a ton of attacking talent that are alongside him. And really, I think eventually he's going to be sent to the bench. So I like Portugal as a dark horse here, kind of like a middle-of-the-road team. I think that their group specifically is a little bit weaker. So I like them to kind of more or less cruise through that group and make them out phase. And then uh, Uruguay is another team that has performed well in the World Cup throughout their history, also a past winner. And um, mm-hmm. they also have some stars that are a little bit aging, but I think just like Ronaldo, they're going to play more of like a substitute type of role, and they're going to lean on the youngsters in this tournament. And they finally have a goalkeeper that is going to be able to carry them too. So 
I also bet you're high, 5, 000, uh, 50 to 1. The U.S. is at plus 15,000. Are you able to make a bet that they make the knockout stage? Or yep. is it only, okay, you are able to do that. Great question. Yeah, a lot of these books will, you can get very creative in the group stage. You can bet them to advance. Um, you can bet them, they call dual forecast. So you can pick the first two teams to finish in any order, kind of like an exact a box in a horse sure. race. Sure. And so I have bet a couple of those. In fact, uh, since you asked, I bet Angry Bay, the Netherlands, and Senegal to both advance at uh, plus 125. And so I think those are some ways where you can get creative in these markets. I think I did hear that the USA is about even money to advance to the knockout phase. Mm -hmm. Are there any groups that you've seen in your analysis that are a little more wide open? I mean, usually, obviously, I think they probably just do like a snake, mm -hmm. you know, putting the best teams around. But yeah. so was there a team like kind of at the turn where the, you know, whatever, the like the 16, 17, you know, like that range that are there at the top of that group? Is that... Is there a group that you see up like that? Yeah, actually, um, I'm just trying to find the letter here. The uh, the group of death that I think is kind of like an overused term mm -hmm. is uh, going to be Belgium, Croatia, Morocco, and Canada, Group mm -hmm. F. And all these teams are pretty well bunched. And Belgium is ranked second according to the world rankings, but I think that's way overrated. Okay. Croatia is 12, Morocco 22, and Canada 41. Mm -hmm. And I think really any of these four teams can win the group and come out and advance to the next round. Um, I'm looking to fade both Belgium and Croatia in this tournament because both of them have very aging rosters, and yeah. I think they're a little bit past their prime. Remember, Croatia was the team that made a darling run last World Cup to finish second to France. They were. And I, uh, I took a flyer on Morocco and Canada, both to advance out of this group at 40 to 1. And that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe you take... In that kind of, as you said, well, just I, just a competitive or maybe a parody group like that, you take the higher, you know, the guys that are much higher odds. Mm -hmm. What about, we'll get to Iran in a minute, but what about the host country, Qatar? I mean, they're obviously plus 50,000 to win. Are they in a really tough group? I mean, they're never, no chance to advance into the, because that would be exciting, of course, to host and, and get to the knockout phase. Yeah, uh, they're a tough team to handicap. They're ranked 50 in the World Cup rankings. However, most, if not all, of their players are based domestically and playing in Qatar. Hmm. And so there's not really much known about them. Okay. But I will tell you that every single host in the World Cup history has advanced except for one, and that was South Africa. Hmm. So, I mean, looking at that, you've got to think that they have a chance, certainly. But uh, Senegal, the Netherlands are going to run away with this group. But I think Senegal is going to be a, a tough opponent for Qatar, which make it make it uh, difficult for them. Well, I wonder, and I know it's not the same sport, it's a lot different, but, you know, what I've seen Qatar do in beach volleyball, for example, um, those guys, they brought in two guys that I think they're Senegalese, they're, they're not from Qatar, you know, mm, yeah. and they are basically now the Qatari nationals, and they are, quote unquote, the Qatari team, and they, they, they're they very good, the sheriff, I love those guys, but um, I wonder if they've done that with their soccer team, you know what I mean, maybe they got some mercenary dudes that have just kind of, hey, relocate here. Be a, be a national, play on the World Cup team, and yeah. maybe they'll surprise. But because, like you said, I mean, they got a lot invested into this thing. Definitely, no doubt. That, that's a good point. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they have some, um, you know, transplants on their team. For sure. Well, let's talk about this. Uh, you got it highlighted. Iran is, you know, 70, <laughs> 75,000 here, plus 75 to win. 
Um, there's a lot of liability there. What's the comments that we have in the, in the chat as we're talking about that there's so much liability that they can, they're not going to pay out, or what's happening here? Well, Bet Rivers uh, limits me at every turn, so it's not <laughs> that surprising. I heard on a podcast, it's not my own pick, on uh, Matchbook yesterday that Rent actually has some value in this group. Specifically, they're paired with England, USA, and Wales. And I think that uh, USA and Wales are kind of little teams. And this Iran team is extremely well organized and ranked 20th in the FIFA World Rankings. And uh, mm-hmm. they almost won their group in the last World Cup in Russia until they got knocked out in like two last minute goals on the final match day. And mm. so it's more of a bet here just to get them out of the group at 75, 750 to 1. If they advance, then I can immediately start hedging with a significant amount of leeway. Unfortunately, Bet Rivers only allowed me to bet 37 cents on this particular hit. So okay. not a ton of value there, but I did get down some more on Iran at FanDuel at 55 to 550 to 1. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, I'll just mention a couple of Night Ranges. You know, he's got a lot of props going on here, which I'm sure you can play all the time. Oh, yeah. At Bet Rivers. He's got the. In the in the Qatar Ecuador game, you know, to score during the second half, yes, and he's got some actual looks like an actual player, um, you know, from Qatar. So you've got the ability to, to to obviously bet props for individual players. He also has a full tie full time tie. So again, as we talked about, the result in the in that group as a full time tie. Forget about the extra time. Do they, do they do extra time in the? Uh, no extra time, and they, they don't do that stage. in the full play. Correct. Yeah. Okay. You know, he's got pretty good odds here uh, in this one. So plus 225 on the full time, plus 800 for that goal score. So there's many ways to bet the World Cup to make it interesting. And, and I know Paulie, I wish he was on because he's actually into the World Cup. He's been to the, I think he's been to the Olympics and the World Cup. Um, he's a world traveling guy. But um, what else? And then obviously it starts Sunday at like, what, 5 a.m. or something? It's really it's Sunday morning really early from what I remember. I think the first game this Sunday is a little bit more reasonably time, like 10 or so. They try to get in the prime time window because it is the opening game and it's Qatar that's playing. So they moved it around so that they could kind of get the world stage. It's 11 a.m. Eastern time. Oh, that's so not bad. I think Night Range is onto something though with these draws we touched on earlier in the first game, how they tend to be lower scoring and more tightly contested. And so you would do worse than to look for some draws in the first round of games here. Yeah, I think so too. I think, you know, you said they come out tight, uh, they're figuring things out, maybe, you know, the conditions, they're kind of just figuring things out, maybe sit back. And you, you were a soccer player, I wasn't. So different ways to play defense. They probably sit back, make them really. Mm-hmm make big, big runs to score, make it hard, um, and then maybe later. I love, that's the only thing I like about soccer is that as the game progresses, as you get later, they get so much more aggressive at the end of the game. It's so yeah. much more fun to watch the last 10 minutes or something. You know, it's kind of like an NBA game that way where the things just all of a sudden just go haywire. And all of a sudden you got all these scoring chances. You haven't seen it for like, you know, 70 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it definitely gets entertaining at the end of some of these games. And you can bet in-game props too like will a goal be scored in the last 10 minutes of the game and sometimes you could get some pretty big juicy numbers on that all right so your your best bets besides the futures um you know we could talk a little more next week as it gets further if you want but what were your best bets in this first week the it sounds like the first half first half unders or, or something like that or what's your best bets 
Yeah, I mean, specifically, I'm targeting this uh, group B, which is England, USA, Wales, and Iran, to be extremely low scoring. So pretty much every game in this group, I'm betting under two and a half in Iran, England. I bet uh, Wales and USA to end in a 0-0 draw at plus 630 at mm -hmm. FanDuel. Um, I like uh, Japan. I, I like Japan in general. I'm going to be betting them on the goal spread in the game against Germany. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and then a prop that I really like is uh, the goal, the highest goal scorer in the tournament is called the Golden Boot. Ooh. And so I've targeted a young striker on Argentina because I think they're going to go far. And I think that Leo Messi is going to be able to feed him a lot of assists in this game. So I've got Lataro Martinez of Inter Milan. He's the highest scoring player in the tournament at 29 to 1. All right. There you go. And that's he's on Italy, so? Uh, Argentina. Argentina, okay, nice. Well, there you have it, everybody. The soccer, the long-awaited, it's only take us, taken us like four seasons to get back to it. Um, yeah. We talk about soccer all the time, and <laughs> actually was frustrated with his picks, but, you know, it's mixing it up for us. Um, there you go. Appreciate it. Well, hey, got the World Cup on Sunday. We got the NFL on Sunday. Of course, some big games, really exciting. Next week, maybe, I don't know when we're going to tape, but maybe we'll talk a little bit about college because there's some big big matchups next week, traditional. Yeah. yeah. Um, and maybe a little bit more on World Cup to give it a little more flavor. But um, So follow us at Side Action Pod on Twitter and follow us at Side Action Podcast on Instagram. Follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and on Instagram. And follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. All right. Good luck with all these sports. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER intro and outro and transition music credits song titles jerry 5 and district 4 by kevin mcleod at incompetech.org licensed under creative commons attribution 3.0 creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0